Awesome. You may be seated, everybody. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Okay. I said Merry Christmas. Thank you. It's good to, to be here. We're starting to put up some of the decorations in our house, and hopefully your houses are also getting caught up to whatever the... I always feel like every year Christmas kind of sneaks up on us. I don't know. You, we get after October, after Halloween, and all of a sudden it feels like Christmas is here. Um, but Christmas this year looks a lot different than last year feels a little better than 2020's Christmas, that's for sure, thank God. Um, I want you to grab your Bible, though, if you would, and while you grab your Bible, I'm going to tell you of a couple dates. Uh, we're going to do uh, really a Christmas service on December 19th, which will be a great service to invite family and friends and uh, neighbors to come. I didn't get the like new invitation cards, but we have our regular invitation cards, which are a great tool to invite people so they know our location, know what time to come. And you can just let them know that this will be a great family service for them to celebrate and uh, just to have that Christmas spirit. Some people will come just out of tradition's sake, but yet when they come, we're going to pray God gets a hold of their heart and begins to do a work in their life that maybe hasn't been happening for them. Maybe they haven't known the Lord. This will be a great service to invite them. But then the following Wednesday, and I've, we switched it up a little bit to accommodate some of our friends. We're going to do Christmas uh, party, like a church Christmas party at our home on December 22nd. Uh, so that's the Wednesday night. So hopefully it'll catch some of you that are going out of town before you go. And you're welcome to our home. We're going to have all kinds of Christmas goodies. And it's just going to be fun. We're just going to have a fun time. And uh, you're welcome to bring some goodies yourself. In fact, we'd love that to bake your famous Christmas cookies or cake or whatever. Don't bring fruitcake, though. Okay, let's just agree. Fruitcake is out. I have never had a good fruitcake, ever. It has never happened. Maybe you have. If you have, then you can enjoy it at your home. But don't bring it to mine. No fruitcake. Sorry. So just mark those two dates down. Uh, December 19th, which is the more important one, I'm going to tell you, especially as you are evangelistic and invite friends and family uh, and neighbors, December 19th. But then for our own kind of internal family time, we'll do December 22nd on that Wednesday night. And that'll start at 7 p.m. if you need it at time. So as you grab your Bible, I want to continue in this theme of worship. And I really came coming into these few weeks um, a couple months ago, I knew, I felt like the Lord was uh, saying to focus on worship, that Christmas, it's so much of it is about worship. And in fact, uh, within either, probably the week of the 19th, that Sunday, is when I really lean into the Christmas story and how that ties into worship and our response to Jesus. Um, but last week we talked about the posture of worship, and I was catching things as I was preparing for that that I'd never caught before. In fact, I even told you that I didn't plan to go into the the this whole idea of the posture of worship being with your face to the ground and that bowing and that humility that I'd never really seen it until I started studying fresh again on worship and realizing all throughout the Old Testament, in fact, I re-looked at it again this week, all throughout the Old Testament, that's how they worshiped. It says and they would bow their face to the ground and worshiped, that they would put their face to the ground and they'd worship. And you see that repeated over and over again. And then when I look at our modern day kind of expression of worship, 
you hardly ever see people bowing and you hardly ever see people putting their face towards the ground. And I just thought that was so interesting because we focused and even myself has focused on we raise our hands, we lift our, we lift our eyes, like, which are all good things. But in the Old Testament, they caught something of a humility and I think a reverence to the Lord that I think really put God in his rightful place in their own hearts and minds. And God took note of it because he's the one who inspired scripture to be written. And so he's the one who took note. This is how they worshiped. They bowed their heads and worshiped. They put their heads to the ground and worshiped. Moses even did that when God passed by him. He put his face to the ground and worshiped. But we started last week in John chapter four, and I'm going to continue on, where Jesus was talking to this woman, the Samaritan woman. And it's interesting that he was talking to the Samaritan woman, not even a Jewish woman, about worship. Like where we really see Jesus talking about worship is to a woman who others would have discounted and said she had no rightful place worshiping the Lord. And yet this is who Jesus decided to kind of give an in on what was really going on and what was happening. It was a prophetic word that he was giving to her about um, what, what the, the Jewish people and beyond would be experiencing. In John chapter 4, verse 23, he says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship. Everybody say must. Must worship in spirit and truth. They must. Those who worship him must worship. I want you to catch the intensity that Jesus is saying this. This is not they should worship him in spirit and truth. Or ideally, you know, on nine times out of ten, they should. No, no, no. He says if you're going to worship like this, you must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. So in other words, if you're like me, that causes me to lean in and be like, well, what does that mean to worship in spirit and truth? What does that look like? And how do I respond appropriately? Because I don't want to miss out. And Jesus is saying it in, in, in a way that makes me know a lot of people weren't worshiping in spirit and truth. Because he says an hour is coming. And now is where people will worship the Father in spirit, where they will worship. Not that they have been or this has been their custom or we're already doing it. He says, no, no, this is what needs to happen right now. These people will worship in spirit and truth. And then he goes on to say they must. They must worship in spirit and truth. They must. They must. See, we all need to make a personal commitment when it comes to worship that I will worship in spirit and truth. Whatever I got to do to get to that place, I'm going to get to that place to where I'm worshiping in spirit, in truth. It's interesting to me, and, and I'll get into the, 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 the area that I want to focus on today, which is called the sound of worship. But I want to lean into something for a second. I just feel like the Holy Spirit kind of directed my attention here for a second. It's interesting that with what, for, for some reason in worship, People have made it, and maybe you're not like this, but I've heard it many times where people have said, well, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to fake it. So I don't, want, I don't want to lift my hands unless I'm feeling it. Or I don't want to bow unless I'm really there. And there's truth to that. There is truth that your heart needs to connect to your action. We're not playing games. You get no extra credit for just going through the motions. 
However, I think there's a ditch over there where sometimes your heart will follow your actions to where somebody, sometimes I will bow to the Lord or I will sing to the Lord because he's worthy and it has nothing to do with how I feel. It, it really does. Sometimes I come in probably feeling the less like worshiping than anyone else in this room. But you probably won't be able to tell it too often. Why? Because I'm going to do it regardless because in my soul and my spirit, I already, I, I already am convinced God's worthy of worship. So I'm going to open up my mouth and sing every song that we sing, regardless of whether I woke up in a good mood this morning or whether I felt like God really blessed me this week or whether I got some extra cash or, you know, stuff that usually makes people feel better. No, I'm going to come in and I'm going to sing to him because he's worthy. And But I don't feel duplicitous and I don't feel like a hypocrite just because I don't feel like it. So don't let the enemy pull you in some ditch that's like, well, you got to wait to do any of these things until you are, it's authentic and it's real. It's like, well, no, some of that catches up later. Some of that will catch up to you later because you'll do what David did, who says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Why was he saying that to himself? Because he didn't feel like blessing the Lord. He's like, come on, man, like get yourself together. You know, he's doing what some of us have to do to ourselves and say, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It has nothing to do with an emotional state of being. It really doesn't. But what I have noticed in my own life is when I will allow that part of my heart that already knows I ought to worship God because he's worthy, not because I, it's not I ought to worship God because I want to perform for you. That is duplicitous. That will give you no credit. Is well, I'm lifting my hands because I don't want so-and-so to think that I don't love God. That's garbage. Don't do anything for that reason. But I will lift my hands because the Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So I'll do it. But what's interesting, as I do that, if I came in feeling a bit heavy and feeling a little bit down or feeling a, a little bit, um, uh, maybe my mind was filled with other thoughts uh, that's going on in life or, or circumstances or work or whatever, as I start to do what I know is right, all of that starts to lift and within a matter of minutes, sometimes seconds, all of a sudden the way I felt when I came in, came in changed because I decided I'm going to worship God no matter how I feel. And yet it'll change how I feel within a few minutes. Do y'all catch what I'm saying? If you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about because you know you could come into church feeling like, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be. I didn't want to get out of bed. I, I, I would rather, you know, have just stayed home. And, you know, all the emotions that every single person here, no matter how you want to tell me that you've never felt like that, you have. 100% you have. There's been a moment where you came to church and you're like, I don't want to be here. But yet you'll come in and you start to sing and you start to lift up praises to God. And then by the time you leave, you're like, oh, I feel better. Usually, not maybe not every time, but usually you'll be like, I, that, I'm glad I went. That helped. Well, what helped? You allowed yourself to praise and to worship God, and it did change. And that is part of worshiping God in spirit and truth. It's not glossing over the fact that you had a bad week. It's saying, Lord, in spite of my bad week, I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to love you because you're worthy. 
I want to read in 2 Chronicles. We read this last week too, but I want to lean into a different portion of it as we talk about the sound of worship. Last week was the posture of worship. This week, the sound of worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, again, we're finding Solomon. He's dedicating the temple that he built, which was on his father David's heart. Solomon took up the task. He built the temple. Now they're establishing worship. They're dedicating this temple to the Lord. Verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground. That's what we talked about last week. On the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. If you have a Bible, just underline that word saying or circle it or highlight it or do whatever you have to do. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. I want to focus very much so on this idea that worship has a sound, and that sound is your voice. Worship has a sound, and that sound is your voice. It is not somebody else playing an instrument and you sitting there listening to them perform. That is not worship. That may be their worship, depending on where their heart is towards the Lord. But that's not your sound of worship. You get no credit for it. This is not a spectator sport. Worship was never meant to be where you came and you just kind of looked at somebody else singing a song and count that and check that off your box as I went and worshiped. No, you, unless your mouth opened up and words of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving came out of your mouth, you didn't worship. Because the sound of worship, and we're, again, we're talking about Jesus where he said, those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. There is no way to that unless worship comes out of your mouth. That's what we see here. Their response to God's presence and what he was doing in that moment in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 was that they worshiped and praised saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. This was a psalm that they would have heard David say many, many times. In fact, there's one psalm where he will say a line and then they'll repeat this line saying, for his mercy endures forever, for his mercy endures forever, for his mercy endures forever. And they'll say after every stanza, they'll say that. So this is not something that they just made up. They heard someone else saying it, but now their worship is going to the Lord out of their own mouth and their own voice. And together they're saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I feel like this is so important. And this is, this is one that's been so on my heart for us as a church and for each of you, is that if you really want this kind of intimate relationship with God, you must worship him with your mouth open. It would be like this. It would be like if I told my wife, you know, and I'm, 
and 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 I never told her I loved her, but I expected her just to know it. Any spouses in the room feel like that would go over real well? Like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you I love you. You're supposed to know I love you. Or I'm not going to tell you all the th good things that I think about you. You should already know that. Like, you should just, you should know my heart. And so if you're married, you realize uh, that's not going to last for a week. Hello, that's not going to last at all. Like, you expect them to verbalize it. Or if you do something outside the ordinary, you expect them to say, thank you. Right? Or, okay, are y'all just going to look at me? Everybody's looking straight ahead like, I don't want, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to start an argument right now. <laughs> and we, were, we all understand. This goes whether you're married or not. This could go for friends. If you do something for a friend and it's outside the ordinary, you expect them to open their mouth and acknowledge what you just did for them. Or maybe, especially good friends, you expect that I don't have to do anything for you. We should e express gratitude for one another regardless of our actions, but just because we're good friends. Uh, we're not expecting one another to read each other's minds or read each other's hearts and just say, well, they know my heart. Mm, you're probably not going to keep your friends around very long if that's your, your stance. But for whatever reason, a lot of us do this with the Lord. We expect, well, he just, he knows my heart. Or, and by the way, I don't say that very often, like, oh, God knows my heart. Because you know what? That's, that's not always a good thing. I mean, it is a good thing, but there's a lot in there in my heart where I'm like, I wish he didn't know it. But he, I mean, he does know it. But sometimes people say that like everything in your heart is good. And it's like, no, not everything in there is good. <laughs> But these things have to be expressed. They have to be detailed. They have to be, in fact, when you read the scripture and you see how God reacted when his people would be detailed in their praise and thanksgiving. What do I mean by detailed? They would go through and, and recount everything and remember everything that he has done for them. Some of us, we need to do that more often. That's your worship is where you come back and say, Lord, thank you that in 2008, you know, this would be my example. In 2008, I met my wife and you brought her and you brought me, me from where I was and where she from where she was and you brought us together and you've created our family and all of the things that the Lord's done in our life. You pulled me through this sickness and this disease or you pulled me through this hard time or that hard time and you were there for me when I was very lonely or you were there for me when I was in the hospital bed or whatever your example may be, you, you should regularly remember these things and say out loud, Lord, thank you for pulling me through that. I worship you that you didn't leave me alone when I felt like everybody else had left me alone. That's worship. And God expects us to appreciate him so much so that it comes out of our mouth. That we will love him so much that it'll come out of his mouth or out of our mouth to him. They bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In fact, let's all say that together. Come on, let's say, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's say it again. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. One more time. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. 
See, when you really get into God's presence, you start to say things that they may not be even the way that you'd communicate it, but you're, you're so overcome by him, you just realize, oh my gosh, he's so merciful because if it were anything but mercy, I'd be burned up right now. Right? You just have this understanding, he's so holy. I'm so impure compared to him without the righteousness of Jesus. That's mercy. And you just realize how merciful he is. I want to look at another scripture in 2 Chronicles, same book, but chapter 29. Go over to chapter 29. It's a similar idea, but I want to read it at a different example where now Hezekiah is leading. Verse 25, and he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with symbols, with stringed instruments, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, of of Gad the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet, for thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. Catch that. When the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. With the trumpets and with the stringed instruments of David, king of Israel. So all the assembly, all of them, worshipped the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshiped. I want you to catch the imagery that's happening here. So Hezekiah has coordinated with Nathan the prophet. They've gathered up instruments and they're now coordinating. Okay, there's an offering being given as was commanded according to the law. They're bringing an offering, but they're also bringing these stringed instruments. But it's not just instruments that they're, you know, clanging on or banging on or you know, maybe there would be a harp or who knows all the instruments that they would have had. It is not just trumpets blasting, but they're also singing. And what are they singing? They're singing the words of David and Asaph, the Psalms. They're going through the book of Psalms, what we know as the book of Psalms. To them, it was just the, to them, it was the Psalms of David that he had written. And by this point, would it be on scrolls? And they're singing them. They're singing them. And in fact, if you go through the Psalms of David, so many of them are recounting what God had either done for David or the children of Israel. So they're going back and they're singing these songs. So you can imagine the scene. It would be like the instruments we have this morning and, and, and they're coordinated together. So the burnt offering is happening and then the song of the Lord starts to play and these instruments start to play and then the whole group starts to sing and Hezekiah is commanding, hey, all the leaders need to be singing. All of these people, we're all gonna sing this together and there's leadership happening saying, this is what we're all going to do together as a people group. And then therefore the sound of worship is going up to heaven. It's so important that when we're all together, that we not just have something where we're watching someone like, you know, though they sound great, uh, but having Jeff and Angela just, you know, sing. And of course, Dave and the others who will come and sing with us, 
just watch them. No, no, no. We have to be led by them to sing and to worship and allow this to interact and to really come as if God himself, which he is, but he's here. See, I just, when I read this, I don't see this as some sort of historical fact. I read it and say, wow, imagine what that must have been like where all of these people are singing these songs unto the Lord, many of them maybe for their very first time. But they're bringing out these, 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 um, uh, these scrolls and they're reading it and they're probably having them repeated after them because they wouldn't have enough copies. You know, there's no copy or paper or anything like that for them to pass out their words. They're probably having to memorize it and repeat it after somebody. It's not unlike what we do today. But for them, they're worshiping to God. They're bowing their heads. They're singing with gladness. They're singing with gladness. In other words, there's not a, a, a it's not so pious that everybody looks like they ate a Sour Patch Kid before they came in the room. You know, those like sour candies where it's like, Worship doesn't need to look like, you know, we're, we're sour-faced or that we're so sad or we're so lowly, you know, that we're, that we're, our countenance is down. No, there should be a gladness about it because when you really know what God's done for you, it makes you happy. It makes you thankful. It makes your, your, there should be a joy that wells up inside of us, but that praise has to come out of your mouth. It has to come out of your mouth. And so for me as a leader, I'll just tell you for me, if I'm not praising the Lord when I don't have a microphone and the only time I praise the Lord is when I'm either in church or up here with a microphone, that's probably not true worship. That's performance. True worship for me is when nobody else is around, none of y'all around. Usually it's in my car because I just go for it. Have you ever driven up beside somebody and you just can tell like, man, they're going for it. Maybe it's probably a secular song, but they're like giving it all they've got. Sometimes you're going to see me like that. Like one of these days, one of y'all are going to drive up beside me and go like, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, because usually that's where either there or at home when the family's gone off to school or whatever, that's usually when I have my time. You know, that's usually when true worship, but I don't just put music on in the background and listen to it. I actually sing songs from my own heart as well. And my wife does this all the time. I hear her often just singing songs from her own heart to the Lord. That's true worship. That's true worship. So then that way when I come here, it's easy to keep worshiping God because I already do that at home and I already do that during the week. This is just my time to do it with all of you and welcome the presence of the Lord together. That's the sound of worship. The sound of worship is what comes out of your mouth. Psalm 66, we talked about David's psalms. Psalm 66 says in verse one, make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. See, say that, say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name, Selah. Even David was 
giving instructions saying, listen, all you peoples, all the earth say to God. He's not saying, think about it. Or, hey, if you feel like it. Or if you're in the mood to say it. No, no, say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your powers, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. See what happened? I mean, it, when you start to say these things, something happens in your heart and you start to lift up God above your circumstances and the stuff that you're going through and you remind yourself as you're saying these things, God really is awesome. His works really are amazing. His enemies and my enemies really will be submit themselves to him. It starts to put things in their rightful place. In fact, let's all say this together. Let's start at the top where it says, how awesome. Let's say it. How awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. See, when you get home, you ought to just open up Psalm 66 and say this. Say this in your car. Say this on tomorrow morning when Monday feels like, oh, no, it's Monday, you know? And you, but you wake up and you say, oh, yay, it's Monday. <laughs> because you wake up and you say, God, how awesome are your works. How amazing you are. What's possible this week? Because this week your enemies are going to submit themselves to you. Do you see the difference? Rather than waking up and feel like, oh, Monday. Oh, I wonder what this week's going to look like. Oh, I wonder if I'm going to make it. Oh, I'm already feeling so tired. Because let me tell you, all of us have the temptation to be Eeyore. No, we do. I mean, every single person. You, you, there are mor mornings where you just feel like Eeyore is my spirit animal. Not Tigger, Eeyore. You know? Where you feel like, okay, here we go again, another week, another day, another dollar. You know, like you start to feel. But then David, who was a creative, emotional guy, if you know anything about David, this was not a stable human being a lot of times, okay? He wasn't. I mean, he, he did some pretty gnarly things. But yet he, he would go through this process of, of arresting his heart. And, 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 and even saying, say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. See how all of these things are verbal. They're out loud. They're not just in, in, in an atmosphere where someone else is singing. No, no, they shall sing. They shall sing. So I'm, I'm going to encourage you over the next few weeks, and I'm asking them in front of everybody, to Jeff and Angela, feel free to ask us and say, hey, let's all sing this together. And then I want you to remember Psalm 66, where David did that too and said, hey, all the earth will sing. Come on, let's all sing this to the Lord. Let's all lift up this praise to the Lord. Why? Because we're responding appropriately, just like in Scripture. We're joining with hundreds of years of others who went before us, who caught how good God was, how merciful he was, how gracious he's been, how he's been our savior, our healer, our baptizer, how he will soon come again. We're joining with all of those. We're not dropping the baton of worship just because we're uncomfortable with it or it's not our tradition. No, we're going to join in with it and we're going to follow the lead of worship leaders 
just like David was, just like Hezekiah was, and we're going to say, all right, we're going to sing this together. It's, I don't feel like it today. Get over it. You know, like, this isn't about feeling. This is remember this teaching today and say, oh, oh yeah, that's right. It's not, it, I don't have to feel it. I do it because God's worthy of it day in, day out, regardless. Revelation chapter 4 is a great and beautiful expression of how this is happening even now and will happen through eternity. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, which I won't get into don't get distracted by the four living creatures. Okay, we'll get there a different day. We're full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crown, or excuse me, I skipped a line who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your, by your will they exist and were created. I want you to catch that, both the the uh, living creatures, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is, and is to come. And as they're saying this, there are these 24 elders who we know to be 12 of those at least are the 12 apostles who followed Jesus. Obviously not Judas Iscariot, but he was replaced by, by Matthias. But they're now responding and saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So in other words, worship begets worship. So you get in between these two groups and this group starts worshiping and it, it, it catches this group and then they start worshiping and there's this back and forth of worship happening, but everybody's worshiping and everybody's saying these words. Everybody. And so you say, well, I don't really know what to say to God. Well, I've given you multiple scriptures today that if you wanna go home, you just pull these scriptures out and this could be your worship to him. You could get home today and when you're by yourself, you just start to say, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. And then you might just move on to the next scripture, which says, worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and are created. These are the scriptures. You just get home and start saying these things. You don't need to sing them. Worship is not just singing. Worship is your voice. Just say it out loud. Just pull up these scriptures. Tomorrow morning, you say, well, I, I don't really have all the worship albums, and I don't know the worship groups to follow on Apple Music. You don't need them. Just open up this scripture. Revelation chapter 4, and you just pull it right up here, and just repeat this a few times. It's not about the length. You don't need to do it for 45 minutes to an hour. You don't need to do it for, you know, all day, oh God, I got I to gotta make sure that I said this, you know, by 6, 6 a.m. and 12 p.m. No, we're not Muslim, okay? So this is not about doing certain times of the day. This is about your heart worshiping God on a regular basis out of your own mouth. So these are Psalm 66. Some of y'all, you haven't written it down yet, but just make these notes so that you can go back to them. Psalm 66, Revelation chapter 4. 
and you just get in there and next week I'll give you some more scriptures to where you can, out of your own heart, using scripture, give worship to God. Don't feel the pressure that you need to like on the spot know all the right words to say. Just express your heart to God and if you need to, use these scriptures to help you get going. This is what true worship will change the atmosphere of your whole home. Listen to me. This true worship will change the atmosphere of your home, whole, whole home. It'll turn, it'll turn a frustrated, anxious environment into peace and joy. It'll turn a household that's had sickness, and I mean physical sickness a lot, and a lot of times it'll bring healing. Because it's not by chance that research shows that most sicknesses that most people are dealing with today are stress-related. And stress brings anxiety. So you start to get rid of stress and anxiety by bringing worship and, and worship out of your own mouth, and that begins, that will affect your health. Those joints will start to change. That, those things will start, and it's, this is science backs it up, but it's scripture that's actually bringing strength to your bones and health to all your flesh, which is what Proverbs says. So you start to change the atmosphere of your home. Who knows, some of those diseases or ailments, we'll call them, that have been kind of lingering in you or in your home, who knows what might happen to those? You start to worship, you'll just worship them right out of the house. That's what script, I mean, and all of that stuff is backed up throughout scripture, example by example by example. You bring the atmosphere of Jesus into your home by worship, and then you invite people over, unsaved loved ones or friends or neighbors, and all of a sudden they're coming in your home, and they're like, what is it about your house that's so different? And you don't necessarily need to blast them with all oh, this worship. And, you know, before you came in, I was saying, holy, holy, holy. You know, you don't have to freak them out. But you know you have set the atmosphere of this home. And this home is a home of peace. This household is a household that understands that God is real and that he is enthroned in our praises. And so, therefore, as I was praising him, he set up his throne right up in my, in my living room. So that when I invite people over, I'm not letting their world intrude on mine. I'm letting my world overtake theirs. In other words, the kingdom of God that has been established in my home overrules whatever they brought in the door. Whatever depression or sickness or anxiety or fear or even uh, confusion. A lot of people nowadays are confused. Well, when they come into our home, that spirit of confusion ought to be checked at the door. Why? Because this is as if it was the throne room of God. Why? Because I've been worshiping him today. This is powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. This is so much more than, oh, I thought we were going to talk about worship and worship is just a song set. No. This is about changing the atmosphere of your home and your life and your own a physical body and, and, and allowing God and, and his fullness and all he is to invade your life through and through. So powerful. So I encourage you, if you missed last week's message, catch it because it really starts with your face to the ground in a posture of humility that recognizes he is God, you're not. And you need him way more than he needs you. Right? So start there, but then I would encourage you to listen to this message again and allow this 
word to get up in your heart so that it convinces you, I need to change my lifestyle so it aligns with this. That's the power of preaching. So if you walk out of here today and you're like, oh, I, I'm feeling stirred, but I need, then you better listen to this again until you're feeling stirred gets into being convicted and having a conviction to the point that you're willing to change your style, change your patterns and your habits and your daily routine, that it includes true worship. Amen. Anybody besides me willing to make some changes so that I have true worship flowing in and out of my life? Yes. Let's pray today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads right where we're at. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word that illuminates, that lights, that brings light to us about what true worship really looks like, what spiritual worship looks like, that we understand that true worship comes out of our mouth and that it's connected to our heart, which is fully submitted to you. So, Father, I pray that every person here would have true worship flowing out of their mouth on a regular basis. And, Father, I pray that as worship comes out of us and into our homes and into our workplaces, into our cars, that you'll change the atmospheres. You'll change the mood of our home. You'll change it from being one that's frustrated or anxious or maybe even at times rude and ungracious that you'll change the atmosphere of our homes to one of peace and love that there will be a sound mind about our homes that there will be healing in our homes that your presence will set up itself in our homes in such a way that worship just becomes a natural point throughout our day where we come back and we remind ourselves of how good you are, how awesome you are, and how awesome your works are. I pray this word would impact us. May it not just bounce off of us as some sort of nice Christmas idea, but Lord, I pray that true worship would flow out of our hearts regularly, regularly, regularly. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's all stand today.